Yeah. hundred percent. The only thing that was going through my head was, oh my God, I might break 80 if I do this. And every time that's what happens. And welcome back to another part train. I am your host, Evan Singer. Matt Cermak couldn't join us today. So it's just me one-on-one with our guest, Henry Meta. Call him Hank. Uh, he's our new intern, guys. We got Hank the intern on to go through a mental game roundtable. Um, but before we get to that episode, I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, in case you're new, thanks for hopping aboard. Our mission on the par train is to help frustrated golfers, maybe like you, to enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe if you can learn to smile, through bad golf, you can pretty much smile through anything. We feature interviews from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, and even golfers just like you, like on mental game roundtables, like today's episode, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and give you the tools to enjoy the ride. Before we get to this episode with Hank, uh, I just wanted to thank you guys. Um, I know I said in last week's episode, uh, that we were launching our first ever store on thepartrain.com. Uh, we launched our hats. People have been going crazy over these things. We sold out in just over 24 hours, and I'm blown away by your support. If you didn't get a hat, I apologize. Uh, I'm wor- going to work on getting another run, and I'd also love your feedback. If there's other gear and merch that you want, DM us or tweet us at thepartrain on Instagram or Twitter and tell us what you want. Um, because I'm loving connecting with you guys and spreading, you know, this mission of enjoying the ride again. And it seriously, from the bottom of my heart was one of the coolest feelings I've ever had of just waking up and people just being jazzed up about the thing that I'm putting my heart and soul into and spreading this community. It really is an amazing thing. Um, so make sure you check out the It's our brand new website. Um, the hats are on there. If you want to see what they look like, they're sold out, but you can take a look and, and messages. There are emails listed, the at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much. A quick word from our friends at Roback. Um, guys, I am also blown away <laughs> by how many people out there are buying Roback, um, through our link. And it's, I'm telling you, you hear this a lot on our show. There are our good friends over at Roback. Their stuff is unbeatable. I'm wearing their hoodie right now. Um, I gave away everything us other than Roback from my golf stuff. I just, all I have is Roback now. It's the best four-way stretch, moisture wicking material that is stylish. Their collars are crisp. They never bacon or flatten out. They're structured collars. Yes, they're a little bit more expensive, but luckily for you, we have a special link that'll give you 15% off your first order. So click on this episode description and you'll see a link in those notes. And now some people have DM'd us unsure how to get to the show notes. If you're confused about how to get to the show notes and get the link, don't worry. Find our Instagram at the partrain or our Twitter at the partrain, and we'll always have a link to get your discount at Roback. So get yourself a polo, get yourself a hoodie, give yourself a quarter zip, a t-shirt. I don't wear anything else now. Trust me. It's by far, they're growing like crazy. Literally everything they launch sells out. So jump on board the Roback train and get yourself some gear. Okay. Enough thanking and, and telling you guys about stuff to get. <laughs> um, this episode, I know you guys love the Mental Game Roundtables. We just had Hank on, our intern, like I said at the beginning. And this episode was really fun because Hank's a younger kid. He's 24 years old. He just got into golf. He's been playing for about a year. And he's already dropped from listening to this podcast and starting to work with us. He's already dropped five shots in his handicap. And there's a lot of good stuff to take away. And it's been really exciting to watch him grow and learn and imagine how good he's going to get if he's learning this stuff at such an early age. So um, definitely listen all the way to the end. He struggles with his putting. We don't get to that till the end. So um, I think there's a lot of nuggets in here that you guys may uh, apply to your game and could make a difference in your performance. 
And uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and hopping aboard. Give us a subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference. So if you've enjoyed or listened to more than one of these shows and you keep coming back, do us a favor, leave us a review. And most importantly, no matter how you hit it, no matter how bad you think you're playing, don't forget, enjoy the ride because nothing's worse than feeling like you wasted five hours out there. And I hope you can use this podcast to reset and, and enjoy your time, whether that's on the golf course or off. So thank you again. Best of health. Stay well. Enjoy summertime. Things are getting back to normal. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. Take care, guys. Henry, thank you so much for coming on. This is your big debut. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling really good, man. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, really happy to be a part of the par train now, uh, officially as intern Hank. And yeah, just really happy to be here. So I know most of you listen on podcasts. We're trying to get more up on YouTube and video. But for those that may watch this video down the road, uh, they may be wondering, Hank, where are you? Uh, right now there's pink walls there's a nice little white uh, display what do they call that is it a little display case or uh, yeah i guess some kind of display case closet something like that i don't know either way to answer your question i am coming to you live from my girlfriend's uh childhood bedroom uh <laughs> we're out we're at her parents house this weekend and uh in east chester new york so uh yeah just you know, you know what you do what you can to make it happen and we're making it happen so this is where i get a little bit of privacy to do the recording i mean look guys look at the intern just grinding on a sunday night uh holiday weekend girlfriend's parents house childhood bedroom he's really making it happen that's why we have him on the team uh okay but i'm excited i'm excited to dig in here i think there's gonna be a lot of good stuff uh that people are going to relate to and hopefully take with them to help their game. But first, we always start mental game roundtables with telling people who you are, where you're from, how long you've been playing golf, where your game is at, handicap, all that good stuff. Give people the lowdown so they understand the context. Yeah, totally. So I'll just really go back to the beginning. So I, so for context, I'm about 24 years old. I'm going to be turning 24 in the summer. And I started playing when I was about seven years old, give or take a couple of years there. And um, just kind of, it was really recreational, you know, it was just kind of play a couple of times with my dad and my brother over the summer. Um, you know, we used to spend our summers in this like really wooded area up in PA. Um, but you know, I'm from Delaware originally. And so as I got older, we started playing some more courses in Delaware. And again, it was nothing more than just recreational, but then, uh, the pandemic hit and, you know, I was living just outside Manhattan at the time working in the city. Um, my brother and I said, let's not be in, you know, the epicenter of the pandemic while it's all going on. So we packed up our things and we kind of headed down to our parents' places down in Delaware. And uh, just because, you know, there was not really a whole lot else to do. You know, I'll definitely take, uh, I guess, credit for being part of the the golf boom that happened <laughs> during COVID. But I just like it, it became something that was a hobby and just turned into a full blown obsession. I'm talking like as every day after work, heading to the driving range, just hitting balls, watching YouTube videos every day and just uh, like an un almost an unhealthy obsession, basically. But so um, I would say that at the beginning of the pandemic, my handicap was probably around an 18. Like I'd shoot, you know, yeah, around like a 45. We, I used to play like a lot of nine hole rounds and would shoot like 45, give or take. and then. As I just kept going, you know, those numbers started to drop. We started getting into the 30s a couple of times here and there. Oh. And then before I left to move back to Manhattan about two months ago, um, my handicap was at an about 11. Um, I think it, it's probably higher than an 11 right now just because, you know, I'm not playing nearly as much as I was uh, when I was living in Delaware. But I'd, I'd say comfortably probably 12, maybe 13. Okay. Um, and that's just kind of where we are right now. Um, the the putting is the weakest part, no doubt. I can I can hit the ball pretty well, but the putting is just god awful. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean that's kind of where the game is now. Okay, so you've dropped three to four um, points on on your handicap, which is awesome. Yeah. And in what period of time? So since COVID, about a year. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I got down to uh, an eleven or so 
God. So like what COVID hit around March, I didn't really start getting obsessed with golf until like late April, early May of last year. And then my handicap was about an 11 in December. So less like less than a year. Wow. Okay. Simply just from playing forever all the time. Okay. And all right. So we'll dig into that a little bit. I, we're obviously going to talk about the putting, <laughs> but you also, you know, I'm humbled to hear that you saw us on Instagram and our podcast and enjoyed what we were doing. And I know you've, we've talked before you became Hank, the intern, and you were applying some of the things we were talking about on the show to help your handicap go down and have, and have more fun. So I want to start maybe there to hear what do you think was the biggest difference from when you were starting to play golf during at the beginning of the pandemic versus what were you uh, implementing uh, that you learned from this show that started to make the biggest difference? Let's start there. Yeah, totally. So I would say that, well, one of the reasons that my handicap was so high at the start of the pandemic, it was not necessarily for lack of, you know, talent or well that sounds poorly because i'm not the greatest golfer in the world but a lot of it would come from me getting upset over bad shots and when i look back at it now especially with how much i play now and like how i don't really get upset about certain shots now i would get upset about like the most minor miss and i'm thinking like why like i barely played uh and not nearly as much as i do now why on earth am I getting mad about a minor miss to the right, you know, just barely missing the fairway? Like, why, why would I get upset about that? But I would. I would get really upset if I didn't hit, like, the perfect shot, even though I'm rolling in as an 18 handicap. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, golf's one of those games where your mental errors just kind of start compounding on themselves. And so if you start getting upset at something as simple as a missed fairway or you don't hit the green and regulation well then you're just dooming yourself for the entire round and i definitely did that uh in the early days of golf and then as i started playing more and as i started listening to the podcast honestly one of the biggest things for me was just lowering my standards um mm. as soon as i realized that like you know i'm not gonna hit every green and regulation i'm not gonna you know you know if i do miss the green i'm not gonna get up and down every time like as soon as i started lowering my standards and realized that i'm just happy to be out there to begin with and, you know, maybe look for that, that good shot, you know, the one where, you know, if you're hitting a seven iron out of the fairway, you know, you get a good turn, you get some good lag on your shot, you hit the ball first, big old divot, and you, and you hear that sound. Like, if, if, if you get that, then that's a great shot. It doesn't really matter where the ball goes up. If you maybe pull it a little bit left or you cut it a little bit right, who really cares? You did what you have been practicing so long to do. So as soon as I lowered my standards and really kind of got to that point of, let's just try to do what I want to do when I'm practicing. And it, it kind of got a little bit easier from a mental side. And then, you know, the misses started being a lot less uh, like drastic, I guess. It, yeah. it didn't feel as catastrophic. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, it sounds so simple. And I want to dig into lowering standards a little bit because we kind of talked about that with Dr. Joe Parent, the author of Zen Golf, on his episode. A lot of people react to that because what do you mean lower like i'm supposed to want to do well right um but there's a very subtle shift in knowing that that's your vehicle to playing well that's not necessarily expecting to play bad that's just knowing that that's giving yourself the best chance to play well so yeah. i want to hear from you hank how did you make the shift because a lot of people, it's tough. It's a tough transition. You've got patterns and habits of expecting perform. You used to play hockey, right? You're a good athlete. And it's natural to get upset when you don't perform at the standard that you expect. Um, what, what was that day like, that first day where you said, you know what, I'm going to try something different today? And was it hard? Did you have to catch yourself in the moment? Did you have to continually reset? How, how did you make that transition the first time? Oh, God. So there's a certain round that comes to my mind that might be kind of the answer to this question. But, but before, we, before I get into that one, uh, 
I think a lot of it just really comes with like a lot of practice and a lot of time at the range and knowing that even if you get the perfect setup and you, you know, you have your target, you can literally make the exact same swing on a ball two times in a row and the ball is going to go in two different places. And that's something that I, honestly, I'm saying that now and I still struggle with that mentally at the range sometimes, but that's something with what at the range. Like, like remembering that, you know, I could put the exact same swing on it and the ball is going to end up in two different places. Like sometimes I still struggle to remember that, even though I'm saying this on a mental game podcast. And like, so meaning at the range, you get upset sometimes, not even so much though you I, know that. Not, not so much that I get upset. It's just like, it's such a difficult thing for us as golfers to really kind of internalize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I struggle with that now, but like back before I really, back before I was playing a lot, that that thought was out of my head you know i thought i was like oh if i put the same feeling swing on on the golf ball it's going to go exactly where it should be mm. where, where it should have the last time right um and so with a lot of experience and just an unbelievable amount of practice it, it, it's almost like when i was going to the range i was training my mind more so than my swing because it got to the point where i was really realizing that you know this ball is going to go kind of wherever it wants to mm. i i just kind of got to put do my best to put it in the general area where I want it to go. Um, and so just over time, it feels like it just kind of like, I started to internalize that more. And so at this point, instead of looking for, you know, the perfect ball flight or the perfect distance, I'm looking for like, all right, where did I strike it? You know, uh, Mm. how did, uh, how did the swing from my body perspective feel? I'm not really so much worried about the ball flight. I just kind of want to know, like, how did this feel from a swing perspective? But there was one day that really kind of juts out to me where like the lowering of standards just completely kind of changed everything. Um, I don't really remember when it was, doesn't really matter. I rolled up to uh, the course that I was a member at at the time and didn't have any time to warm up for just a quick walking nine after work. And I, so I roll up, throw my shoes off the car and I'm on the first tee box. So right away in my head, I'm like, all right, I just know this isn't probably going to go as well as I want it to. So we're just going to enjoy the fact that we're out here and swinging a golf club at, you know, 530 on a Tuesday afternoon. And I ended up shooting like a 40. And so (laughs) for me, I I mean, you know, for some of some people that might not be good, but for me, that was really good, especially at the time. So I was thinking like, I just went in there stone cold, had no expectations of how how it was going to go, how I was going to score, anything like that. I ended up shooting one of my better rounds. And I think a lot of that is because I was loose, not only, I certainly wasn't loose from a physical standpoint, but I was loose mentally. And I think a lot of, I think that was a big factor. Wow. There's so much good stuff to unpack here. So first is, uh, to that, the nine you just referenced, uh, what I don't even think you realize you did is you set an intention before you played so many people in golf and life, just jump into situations, right? And a lot of people don't think to themselves, well, what do I want to get out of this experience I'm about to go into? Whether that's a Zoom call, whether that's an in-person meeting, whether that's a weekend with the parents, whether that's dinner with your girlfriend, whether that is a round of golf or the range, asking yourself, what do I want to get out of this? And what do I want to focus on? What's my intention for today? The people that do that versus the people that don't is an astronomical difference. So number one, that's huge. Number two that I think is even more interesting that you said earlier on is you broke the common habit that a lot of people make at the range, especially when you're starting out in golf. This is the common pattern. You go to the range, you hit, you hit it well. And you hope to God that you hang on to whatever you had at the range. So the range was a very, let's see what we have today. Hopeful, but let's see what we have today. Course is, oh, I think I might have something. Let's hold on to it. Where you did the opposite. You said, I don't, I don't really, am, I'm not really going to put stock in this range session. 
this range session is either to warm up my body, it's to see where I'm at, it's to see kind of where some misses are going because I know it's a game of misses. So I'm gonna see kind of where my tendencies are. You're kind of using, uh, you did it one of the best tricks in the book without even realizing it maybe is using your experience to give you information, right? And so yeah. when you went into the course, you weren't creating extra pressure to replicate something. You weren't hoping that something doesn't go away because as we've heard many times in this podcast, it's impossible to forget how to swing a golf club one shot to the next, right? And a lot of people think the mental game is pre-shot and post-shot, but a lot of it is over the ball and how much you're playing golf swing versus understanding that it's a game that's challenging and you're going to make the best chance at trying to make the shot you want to hit focus on what you're trying to do and try and execute and then go do it again and so i think a lot of people can learn what from you from what you just said which is not necessarily putting more pressure on the range and using the range session as mental practice you know for the round yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to the way that they practice. Now, I'm not saying that I practice perfectly by any means. I've got a story about a very recent practice session that went. We love stories, Hank. That, that went so terribly, <laughs> and it was my own damn fault. But um, I, well, I think a lot of it. well, we'll get into it in a minute. I just want to finish okay. this real quick. But yeah. so I, I think a lot of people, you know, they just go to the range and they just are like. I'm just whacking balls. You know, they don't pick a target. They don't, you know, nothing's going through them mentally. One of my favorite things to do with the range is after I've warmed up is I will pick a course that I would know really well, one that I can literally picture each hole in my head. And I will mentally play that course on the range. I'll get up, I'll hit the, I'll try to like locate a fair, a quote unquote fairway mm -hmm. down the range. I'll try to hit it with the driver. I'll then think of, all right, I likely will have anywhere between like, I don't know, a, uh, either a soft seven to a hard nine, depending on how well I hit the driver um, into this green and, ju and just kind of go from there. Um, and in doing that, you, you don't necessarily put pressure on yourself, but all of a sudden you're putting yourself in game time situations. And that can, in practicing that has, I legitimately think has led to improvements on the course for myself, just because I'm kind of used to that, whether it's the club change or it's the, you know, I've put myself in this season of situation. Now I need to go put, you know, I need to switch up the swing a little bit and go, you know, put it, you know, within let's say 10 feet in hopes of making the birdie putt. So. Well, that's huge. Back. Before but, you go to your story real quick, I'll interject for a second. Uh, I do a similar thing, Hank, where I actually do put pressure myself. So I always think of my member guest uh, and I think of holes and shots that either don't necessarily match my eye, you know, or are in the shootout and have pressure packed uh, moments. And so I was thinking of the first hole at Meadowbrook back home in St. Louis. And I'm picturing this dog leg right. If you hook it and it goes too far, you're down in this hazard and trees. And if you hit it right, there's houses and OB stakes. And so um, I'll pick like a high hybrid or three wood and I'll, I'll look on the range and say, okay, the trees are that flag to the right. That pole, right, is the left part of the fairway. And you go through your routine and you hit. And I know it sounds silly to a lot of people, um, but I think even if you think that's silly and you don't actually want to do that, fine, right? I'm not here to tell anybody how to practice. But I think the simple fact of hitting a shot coming out of it and picking a new target, picking a new yardage, picking some new angle is a much better way to see where your game is at versus hitting ball after ball with no pause in between because you're practicing something that doesn't exist in real playing, I think is what you're saying. A hundred percent. Like when on earth are you going to hit, unless you're taking a mulligan after your first tee shot goes out of bounds, when are you going to take two driver swings within 30 seconds of each other? It's not going to happen. Right, right. You need to, you need to practice that, you know, you hit the driver, you take a couple seconds on the range when obviously in reality, it's a, however long it takes you to walk to your ball. But there's that, 
period of time where you're not swinging, you're focusing on the next shot. It's going to be different than the last shot you just hit because that's how golf works. But people don't do that. Like I last time I went to the range with my brother, uh, you know, I'm going through this mental, uh, you know, play a fake round in my head. And he's like, no, give me the driver. I want to hit as far as I can. Like, and it makes a little bit sense why he's an 18 and I've gotten down. I'm not, I haven't gotten down far, but it's why I've gotten down from an 18. Yeah. All right. So tell us about your story. Tell us about your, your bad practice session. Uh, yeah, no, this is a hundred percent my fault. Um, so I, so, uh, there's this, uh, golf simulator, uh, company that's in a couple different cities. Uh, I'm not going to say their name cause no free ads, but, um, uh, I went there, they got TrackMan, Um, and you know, I should have gone there just thinking, you know, I haven't swung my clubs in about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. I'm just happy to be swinging them. But all it took was one, you know, eight iron that didn't carry that perfect 155 for me. And all of a sudden I start freaking out about what my distances are. And I'm thinking, you know, TrackMan never lies, which is, which is true. Like, mm-hmm. you know, TrackMan does not lie. But all of a sudden I started getting like freaked out about how I, and I, and I definitely was just having like a bad day, but I was, I was changing my swing. I was, you know, my brain was just kind of going like, what the hell is going on here? Is something wrong with my clubs? Is something wrong with me? Like, what the hell is going on here? And before I knew it, the hour was up. Like, this, this place only lets you book for an hour unless you want to pay an arm and a leg. And, and before I knew it, my hour was up. I had I, I hit a couple good shots, you know, I hit a couple shots where, you know, the distances were about where I want them to or maybe a little bit more. But the vast majority of my shots, the you know, the carry distance and all this kind of stuff was just way lower than what I had expected it to. And that's a big thing is expectation is expectations. Um, and, and I, I leave there. I'm saying I just wasted an hour and X amount of dollars all because I went in there expecting to hit the ball a certain way. Like I thinking I knew what my golf game was going to be, how the ball was going to fly and all this kind of stuff. And and sometimes this is not how it goes. That's not how golf works. You're not going to have the same day back like twice in a row. It's like a snowflake. Yeah. And, and I think that if I had realized that sooner, then maybe I could have actually gotten something out of the round. I walked out of there thinking I got nothing out of that hour. Mm-hmm. Well, look, sometimes, you know, to your point, that's how it is. You go to a range session and you leave more confused than when you got there. Um, I think what's really interesting about that story that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to is uh, the most important thing to realize, I think, is you're going to have, oh, shit moments like that. You might have a slice. One day you hit a hook, Mm -hmm. right? You might hit your eight iron 155 and it's a green over water and it's only 130 to carry the water and you hit it in the water. There's these oh shit moments. The, the, and this is what a lot of people get wrong about meditation and different mindfulness stuff is people think that in order to quote, be good at it, you shouldn't have thoughts at all. You shouldn't have interruptions. You shouldn't have bad thoughts. You shouldn't get worried. You shouldn't get stressed. The point, the point of that practice is to come back. It's to acknowledge it. And you're a human being. You have standards. You want to do well right? So that stuff makes sense. The only goal in that situation is to reduce your amount of time of the oh shit. So that day was an hour. Maybe the next time it can be 30 minutes and you salvage half of your session. Maybe one day it can be 30 seconds, right? And so I think that's something important for people to remember is it's not like you've regressed or you're you had a shitty, it's all your fault rank session. You just, next time, maybe we can think about, well, what happened? Okay, you got a little panicked about something that hadn't happened in a while. That's normal. How can I come back? How can I think about it differently? It makes me think of a video I just saw, Hank, which was uh, Serena Williams' coach. Um, and I've been starting to dabble in a little tennis. I come from a tennis family. and I never really played. And so through the pandemic, tennis was one thing I kind of picked up with my brother um, that we could do because he doesn't really golf much. And uh, 
I've been seeing a lot of parallels with tennis and, and golf. And so maybe one day we'll get either a, a well-known player or a coach on. But Serena Williams' coach said something to his players on this video I saw the other day. And he said, anytime someone gets really upset in the moment, or frustrated or your emotions kind of take over, ask yourself one question. Do you want to win? And they always say, well, yes, of course. I can't believe I'm blowing it, right? I want to win, but I'm blowing it. And he says, okay, if you want to win, then those thoughts have to change. Otherwise, you will lose. And so that's kind of a nice mechanism and tactic question and answer to yourself. Now, it may not be winning in golf, right? Do you want to shoot a lower score? Do you want to hit more fairways? Do you want whatever your question is? And the answer will be yes. Then those thoughts don't serve me. So let me pick a different one. Let me reach for something that puts me in position to succeed. Right. And so I think that's a really good lesson for a lot of people. Right. A hundred percent. And I think that a lot of it comes with, it's funny. We don't like to admit it all the time, but golf is, whether or not we like it, it turns out to be such a big game of ego, at least amongst the, the players that are, whether higher handicappers, just, you know, you're the guys who play once every other weekend and just are out there to kind of drink beer and have fun. Like, and there's obviously nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is that there's a lot, especially in, you know, 2021 golf with Bryson carrying it and hitting it as far as he does. There's such a big focus on distance. And, and that was the biggest thing that was tripping me up at this practice session that had I just tossed that aside, focused on my swing mechanics, strike location, and then, you know, some, if I wanted to really focus on some data points, maybe spin rate or like attack angle, who knows, who cares really. But what I'm getting at is that if we kind of just like, and this is why one of my best, all my best range sessions come at a driving range where I don't necessarily know how far I'm hitting the ball. Like I have a general idea because of like where the flags are, but if I don't know exactly how far I'm hitting the ball, I usually have a better range session because I'm not focused on distance. I'm focused on hitting the ball out of the center of the face, putting a good swing on it, and just all and just all around having more control. And I think that we get so caught up in like, oh, I have to carry my driver 280, have it roll out to 300 or or more, like, or you know, someone catches a hot seven iron and carries it 175, 180 once, and all of a sudden they're thinking, oh, I've got to hit it that far again. That's not the name of golf. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how far you hit the ball. What matters is that you have consistent gapping and then you're able to hit, you know, the shot straight and at your target. So, like, I mean, what was it? Bernard Langer, when he played uh, in the November Masters, it, they were showing like all of his distances. And, you know, and he was hitting his clubs around as far as I do. And, you know, obviously he's a lot older than I am because I'm only 24 years old. But, you know, the fact that he was, you know, he hits it out of the center every time. He's a, he's a tour pro. That's what he's really, really good at. That's what he makes his living on. The fact that he's not hitting it that far, that's not a big deal. He focuses more on consistency, and that's why he's able to be a tour pro is because he has that consistent gapping. He knows where his shots are going to go. He, he takes ego out of it. If you check your ego at the door when you show up to the range or even the course, I, I think that's kind of what leads to ultimately your better rounds. And yeah. that's something that's a really hard for people to do, especially when they're playing on the weekends with their buddies. Because, you know, you pull up to that drivable par four, all your buddies pull out a driver, and God forbid you pull out a three, what your friends are going to start making fun of you. Even though ultimately you're probably going to score better than them if you hit three wood off that. Or five iron. Right. Even a five iron. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's interesting that a lot of people, the reason most 99% of the time when you get upset, it's just your ego protecting you. 100%. Right. Oh, yeah. How many people when they play alone get as upset than when, when they play with people? Probably not as much. When there's people there, you don't even realize you're doing it but you want to let people know subconsciously that that shot isn't me. So I'm going to get upset about it. Right. And, uh, I think kind of what you hit on there, Hank is, um, you're focusing on what you're trying to do 
And this is, it's a very subtle change, but I was just talking to my buddy Chris about this at Penmar in LA. It's an awesome little nine hole course in uh, Venice. Um, you know, he, when he goes up to a drive, um, you can tell he gets really tense because he just got a new driver and his drives have these biggest misses and which I can relate to. And um, you can tell when he's standing over a shot on the tee box, there's a lot that goes, there's a lot of consequences there. Um, But when you realize, so when you ask someone, what are you trying to do here? And they say, well, I'm trying to hit a fairway. I'm trying to carry it over that corner. Now that's important to understand what you're trying to do in the sense of course management, thinking about what club gives you the best chance uh, without taking you know, an unnecessary risk and all that good stuff. Um, but more times than not, people don't really think about what they're trying to do. And then they think about too many thoughts of their swing or they're thinking about where they don't want to go. So if we can remove all that stuff and say, okay, what is for Hank? Hank's thinking about his swing mechanics or where he's trying, how he's trying, the, the quality of your strike, basically. Well, what empowers strength, uh, Hank to hit the ball solidly like what sets you up for success the most what are your tendencies is it you get a little quick you focus on tempo is it staying in your posture what's a process thing or swing feel or key that helps you swing your best or have you even thought about that before it's funny well not really and so it's funny that you mentioned that because uh as I sit here trying to think of uh, an answer, I'm just kind of going through all the bad and all the good range lessons I've ever really had. And all the best ones that I've, all the best range sessions I've ever had, it's been, you know, dialing in my setup has always just kind of led to kind of the best results. And what I mean by that is, you know, golf's one of those games where if you, if you just try to set up and do what you naturally feel is comfortable, you're likely not going to be that successful because golf is a game or even the grip of the golf club, unless you've been playing for years, like we have, like I, I tried to show my mom the other day how to properly grip a golf club. She's like, Oh, it feels weird. Yeah. Golf's weird. <laughs> everything, everything about the golf stance and swing and all that. It's all weird. It's not, it's not natural. So every time that I've really dialed in my setup and really thought about what, like, you know, knowing the difference between feel and real and recognizing that real is a lot different than feel. When I've kind of recognized that when standing over the ball and was able to kind of make more balanced swings, I was able to find the center of the club face more. Now, my tendency is to strike it out of the heel. So naturally, my thought process is like set up, maybe like be a little bit more biased towards the toe of the golf club. Well, that's not really a good fix, right? So you, you got to fix the swing a little bit more. Now that's something I'm still honestly struggling with. I don't, I, I'm still trying to figure out what is going on in my swing mm-hmm. where I line up square, maybe even a little bit toe bias and still end up striking it out of the heel. I'm still working on that, but I think a lot of it is being able to commit to the shot and not, you know, kind of pulling away and just kind of trusting yourself and trusting your body. Like I, I'm, I, I'm at the point in my life where I don't really care how my body looks. When I go to the gym, I train for golf. It sounds dumb. It sounds like, but that's just kind of what I do. I do workouts for golf. And at this point, it's just about trusting my body that it's going to make the right movements and ultimately hit the ball in the right spot. Yeah. So, so you said a couple of things that, you know, are interesting. It was like, you hit it out of the heel, you put the toe, but that's probably not a good fix. Right. And so you're already potentially going into a place of you're playing with flaws. Right. And this is a really tough thing to go to the course. I struggle with this for years where I feel like there's a flaw in my mechanics that is creating inconsistency. So going to the course and playing free and confident is challenging when you know that you have flaws. However, everyone has flaws. It's not even really flaws, Hank, it's tendencies. So what I'm doing right now with Jake Thurm, who's the PJ tour coach for Kevin Streelman and many other guys on tour, 
is, and I know a lot of, most people don't have access to that, but what I'm trying to do and what I'm going to document for people is I'm trying to learn my tendencies so that I can create swing feels and keys when I'm on the course that gives them the best chance to hit the ball in the center of the face. Um, and when I'm on the range, work on something to strengthen what I'm best at. And so I, I know what I'm doing. So if you know that you hit it off the heel, then what I've heard is setup is really key for you, right? And so one thing that I think people could take from this is look at Phil at the PGA. Phil had a very singular focus all week. Now, obviously, you're not Phil Mickelson. Obviously, there's swing keys that he does that a lot of people don't have. But I will tell you 100% of the time, if you simplify your intention or your approach that day, you're going to have better results because your body is going to naturally, you're going to create more fluidity and you're going to be, you're, you're going to, there's going to be less uh, obstructions, right? It's a fluid motion. So the more you're trying to, you know, hold on or tweak things, your, your brain, your conscious mind is taking over. Your subconscious has no room to kind of flow and just play. Right. And so for you, Hank, it'd be really interesting if you went to a course and say, you know what, all my focus on today is dialing in my setup. Every shot have some routine where you check your feet or you pick something a foot in front of your ball or your foot in front of your feet and you say, all right, make sure my focus today is my setup and my tempo. And that is my commitment. So I'm going to commit to swinging 80% and I'm going to make sure as hell that I have good setup. Now, throughout the day, you then count how many commitments you completed. And so did you consciously check your setup every shot? Maybe there's shots you lose focus and you didn't check your setup. Okay, what happened on those shots, right? So if you have two check marks on your scorecard, that says I lost focus and I didn't commit to my setup or check my setup here. What were my results? Go back and think about it. I bet you they won't be as good and commit to a tempo and a fluid swing, right? And full swings um, and committing to the shot. And so those are just a couple examples, Hank, of how you can focus your entire day on what you're trying to do in a way that frees you up. The, the, the thing that, that that might get confused for is going into a round where you say, okay, what I'm trying to do is on the takeaway, I want my wrist hinge to be like this. On my backswing, I need my elbow to be here. And on my downswing, I need to feel like my right knee is leading the down. Like that's too many things, right? So it almost feels like the way you nodded your head when I was talking about setup, I sense that you almost feel felt freed up by thinking that the next time you play, all you have to focus on is your setup. Well, so yes, but also the reason that I, I nodded my head so uh, just madly in agreement with you is because setup has been one of the things that I've really worked on to the best of my ability, at least uh, for the past, got at least a couple months now. And basically I, I get to a weird point when I get to my longer irons and it's one of the things I struggle with the most is uh, hitting like a nice flush four iron is my, you know, ball position is inconsistent. And then throughout my, and just honestly on a different day, my, my posture can be different. And that's something I'm really trying to work on is to get my posture more consistent. Um, it's just, it's been a while since I've been able to work with a pro to really dial in what, you know, is the right feel. You know, again, we come back to that feel versus real thing. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, the only real consist consistent setup that I've been getting lately is, you know, with my short to mid irons and then driver. Now, hybrid and three wood are usually okay. Um, but like my four or five iron, it's just, it's just something about them and it could easily be the fact that I, at this point, I know I don't hit them that well. So, you know, that maybe just knowing that I don't hit them that well will lead to a, a weird setup and, and something, and I'll try to revert back to what is comfortable, even though that might not be the right setup for me. 
So I think it's really funny that you mentioned setup because that's really one of the biggest things I've been working on lately is setup and takeaway. Yeah. And posture, it sounds like too. So mm -hmm. I think you, you talked about using the range session for information. So next time you go to the range, you can say, okay, what's, what, what do you think gives you the best opportunity to hit the ball in a consistent pattern? Right. I don't even care about hitting in the middle of the face. I don't even care about it hitting it straight. What gives you a consistent pattern that you can go play with? Right. So, you know, more times than not, you're going to miss it right. Or more times than not, you're going to miss it short. All those types of things. Right. And so you go to the range and you say, okay, right now I'm going to focus on my setup and posture. And I'm going to try and stay in my posture. And that's my focus. And then you might, try something else. You might try a feel with your tempo, right? Or staying, you know, swinging through more with your body, like whatever your feel and your swing key is, then you can go to the course with that. And then you don't have to worry about where the hazard is, or where the trouble is, or bad shots you've had in the past with that four and five iron, because you know, all you have to do is commit to your swing key and you still might miss it but at least you have a much better chance of swinging free and having a good result than thinking about oh i'm hitting my five iron i'm really nervous because i hit this like shit and now you, your posture might be off but even more so you might have more tension over the ball because of bad results in the past whereas if you start to fill your mind and obsess with the stuff you're trying to do all that other stuff doesn't really have as much room to live in your mind because you're focusing on what you're trying to do. And that's why yeah. Phil was so adamant about focus and putting less, um, you know, not overthinking things and only thinking about the shot when he's, when he's about to go into the shot versus talking about it the whole way down the, the fairway. So I think that's really important. I think you bring up something great. The last thing I want to talk about, Hank, because I know we're getting close to time here. We haven't talked about your putting and that's what you immediately, this whole thing could have been about your putting. So we might have to bring you back, but I, I want to hit on your putting because you said that's by far the worst part of your game. Um, so talk about your struggles with your putting. So before I, before I get into how bad my putting is, I do want to call back to a, a part train post that was made. I don't remember how long ago it was, but Instagram? yeah, it was, it was an Instagram post that it was, well, no, I think it was like you guys tweeted it out and ended up putting it back on your Instagram. Okay. Was um like uh you're someone it was probably either you or Cermak where you're at the range, you're striping it, and the guy installed next to you asked what your handicap was, and when you said seven, the guy was like, Oh, you can't putt for shit, can you? <laughs> that's like that's how I feel a lot of time. I've gone to the range and I've striped it, and someone's asked me what my handicap was, and I, at the time I was like, ah, like fourteen. They're like, oh, you sandbagging piece of shit. I'm like, have you, you haven't seen me putt? But yeah, um, yeah, no, my putting. I <laughs> I'm at the point with my putting now where if it's anything longer than four feet, I'm I'm getting nervous. Now I've gotten better. Um, because of some mental things that I've gone through uh, and just in terms of my practice and even just playing. And one of the biggest things that I've uh, really started trying to implement in my putting game is I, this is why Instagram is just uh, social media just in general has been one of the biggest assets to my golf game uh, is I came across a video of tiger giving a, a clinic. It, it must've been like, Oh, one, like it was early tiger, but like prime tiger and he would go through how his uh, his putting method was he would look at the hole, take a picture, make a practice swing, look at the hole again, take another mental picture. And then when he'd look down at the ball at address, he'd putt to the picture. And every time I remember to do that, it goes so like the, the ball gets so much closer to the hole than when I don't do that. And and a lot of that goes back to if I don't hit the green perfectly in regulation, if I'm, you know, say the whole say the whole location's at the front of the green and I sail it a little bit long and I've got like a 40 foot putt. Obviously I'm not going to make that putt. And if I do, it's a miracle. And I know that's not really the best way to go into the putt, but I kind of just playing the odds here, but a lot of the time, at least in the olden days before I did this putt to the picture thing, I would go up there and I would say, 
I'm just going to hit it to the hole and hope it gets close and hope that I've got nothing more than four feet for par. Hopefully in, in at the end of the day, maybe I can say bogey, but as soon as I started doing this put to the picture thing, it's gotten a little bit better. That being said, I mean, I don't know if it's my ability to read the greens or if it's my ability to judge speed, but either way, the putting is just not there. And it, and three putting is literally the reason I didn't break 80 for the first time, right before I moved to Manhattan, I was on pace for it. And then I three putted on 17 and 18 to shoot 81. Mm -hmm. Hit the green in regulation too. Well, yeah, three putt. Yeah. And what were you thinking when you got on that green? 100% 100% was thinking I'm about to break 80. Yeah. 100%. The only thing that was going through my head was, oh my God, I might break 80 if I do this. And every time that's what happens. And that also reminds me of a round that I, uh, that I talked to you guys about not too long ago where I was one over through seven. And then I go triple the last two holes because I thought about, oh my God, I'm about to shoot this. Yeah. And that's a while. So we game. talked about that earlier, right? Yeah. You had an, oh my God moment about a result we talked earlier about oh my god i just did something terrible that's not me um what's wrong with me but this oh my god is oh my god i i'm about to do something really great so uh again that's gonna happen like pros have oh my god moments or might think about results but the uh the practice is knowing what works for you and what worked up to that point it was you were focused on whatever you're trying to do, right? Whatever that was. And so in those moments, think about how can you focus on what your goal is. And this was my favorite part about Dr. Joe's episode. And I've thought about it a lot since then, and I've used it myself, is change your job. Your job is not to make the putt. When you just said, you had a 40 foot putt and you thought to yourself, well, that's, I'm not going to make this. So my best, maybe I'll, you know, save bogey. I'll, so you're not thinking about what you're trying to do. You're thinking about a result. You're thinking about holding something that's very small chance to hole. And you're thinking about what you're trying not to do, which mm-hmm. is three putting. So that's defensive. So a putt, good putt is a pure, motion right it's fluid it's light hands it's tempo it's you know it's very hard to have good distance control with herky-jerky tentative strokes right and so i think you've already found what works for you i think you can always play around and test this stuff but putting to the picture just gets you out of the results putting to the picture is a way to get you more focused on where am I trying to go? And so, you know, I think what helps, we had Sonny on and Chubba from group chat golf memes account and did a mental game roundtable with them. And Sonny is a two handicap and says that he's a mental midget over short putts because he's had experiences where he's embarrassed by missing putts that he quote shouldn't. Right. But That's because he's standing over a putt trying not to miss. Whereas it really freed him up when we talked about it. And he's texted me since and said it's really helped. Is now he's just focused on rolling the ball over his mark two inches in front of the ball. Can you do that, Hank? Can you roll a ball over a spot two inches in front of you? I definitely can. Uh, You played hockey. (laughs) I think you're pretty capable of that. Most people are. A three-year-old could. (laughs) Right? So if your goal... The next time you play golf is to roll the ball over your spot. Then think about how different of a job you have. Think about how easy that is. Most people laugh when I ask them that because it relieves pressure. It's like, of course I could do that. Well, then your, your goal should be focusing on something you can do repeatedly. Right. And then you build confidence. Then you start to see the ball going towards the hole more. Then you start to make more. Suddenly your confidence starts to match a good process. And I bet you'll start to make more putts. Now, of course, there's some technical stuff probably to work on too. I mean, you're a new player, right? So of course, putting as you start hitting it better, this is another thing to keep in mind, Hank, 
as you start hitting it better as a new golfer, your putting is going to be exposed. Whereas before you might not have been hitting a lot of greens. So you're chipping it closer. You might not have as long of putts. Um, so you might not have as many three putts, right? Because you're chipping it and either getting up and down or you two putt. And so that's another thing to remember too. These, these are just waves of getting better in the game of golf. But I think this is something that can help a lot of people because, you know, it's easy your mind to play the biggest role negatively when you've got something that you know should be made. And if that's all that's in your head and you can't reset and focus on, all right, I'm going to go through my routine. I'm going to look at my setup and I'm going to put a good role on it. And if I put a good roll on it, on the small on my spot, then I then I succeeded. And if it goes in, it goes in. But you can't control that, right? right? So, right at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's just really just trying to continue doing what I've been doing, at least from a mental game of you know taking that picture and trying to putt towards it. And then yeah, obviously you know I, I'll putt in my apartment on a little mat that I have for you know a little while, but it's not going to replicate, you know, reading the break on a green. And that's something that just comes with practice. Um, and that's something that, that that's just the thing in terms of golf in general, that I think that just so many people, whether or not they recognize it, they seem to forget it a lot is that this is one of those games where if you're not playing very frequently, then there are some aspects of the game that are just going to slip your mind. You know, like you're not going to forget how to swing a, a driver off the tee box that's like that's not going to go away but in, like the little nuances in terms of like if you're you know chipping it and you want to read the green like get the landing zone uh for your chip and so you and you know you read the green from there to get the ball as close to the hole as possible things like that or just like you know remembering that the hole usually breaks to the water like i, I don't know just stuff like that like some of these little nuances about the game if you unless you're playing all the time and you're a golf nerd you're gonna probably forget and a lot of people do forget that and that's what ultimately leads to these people shooting in the mid 90s or over 100 well yeah i think it's important to remember that it's a tough game it's the hardest game in the world and um you're not gonna be able to play as often as you'd like so instead of thinking that i'd be careful with that type of stuff because sometimes if you know that you're not playing as much as you maybe quote should, you're always going to feel behind the eight ball. And that's a, that's a feeling and energy of I'm going to struggle today and versus I'm going to do my best today. It's a hard game. It doesn't matter how often you play. Um, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously if you want to get better, then obviously there's part of the, you got to put in the work and practice, but Regardless of how often you practice, you then also can't put pressure on yourself to play better because you've been practicing. It can go both ways. I've done it. Right. Um, so I think it's a good way to end today because I think it's important to think about the things you're saying to yourself. Think about the, is it heavy or is it light? The things you're saying, if it's heavy and it feels like burdensome, then reach for something that feels a little lighter and play light. Right. And if, if you can remember that you're just going to go and do your best out there and you're going to stay focused on your, your stuff, your thing, if Hank's thing is set up posture and paint put into the picture, you got your plan right now, pick clubs that align with your pattern and your misses and go out and play and start your ball on your line. And that's your only job. And let's see where your score happens, but no pressure. Look, shooting an 81 versus shooting a 79, yeah, you want to break 80 that first time, but really there's no difference. It, it, nothing changes in your life when you go home. Right. Yeah, you want to make that call that you said you could break 80, but like, do people ask you on a daily basis, have you ever broken 80? No, right? It doesn't matter. So I think this is a fun way to end. It's just think about, you know, playing lighter out there and giving yourself the best chance and having fun and doing your best. I'm leaving it at that. Yeah, I think it's a perfect way to end. You know what? I'm playing tomorrow, so this is going to be a perfect opportunity to apply what we just talked about, and I'll report back with the results. Yeah, I want you to, I want you to send me a message tomorrow and tell me what happened. Break it down for us, and, uh, and we'll share it. Okay, I will.
All right. Any closing statements, Hank, of maybe something from this conversation that stuck out to you or that you definitely want to try tomorrow um, or made you think differently about, you know, some of your struggles in the past? Going in with a plan, not for, you know, the perfect result, but for the perfect mental setup, not physical setup, but like you've checked all the boxes in your mind of the things you want to do before the balls hit mm-hmm. and everything you feel good. It's one you feel good. You play good. That's usually how it goes. So check all those boxes mentally. You go through your plan. You're going to do better on the course. Love it. Well, your tag on Instagram is Henry M E T T E. Is there an underscore or is it just Henry? Yeah, there's an underscore. It's Henry underscore meta M E T T E. Okay. All right. So if people want to follow along, they can. Um, but thank you for coming on. We're excited to have you on the team. Uh, Hank just did a great job uh, launching our, uh, our new store and our new website at thepartrain.com. We sold out in 24 hours. A lot of that was thanks to Hank. So excited to have him get more involved. And um, we'll keep you guys posted on his progress. But thanks for coming on, Hank. Happy to be here. Ready to enjoy the ride. All right. Take care, guys.